This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. Hello and welcome along to episode 129 of the ABZ Football Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Gary Scott, and I'm joined this evening by Graeme Steele. Welcome back, Graeme. How's it going, mate? Good, thank you. Excellent. Gav can't be with us tonight because he's quote-unquote tidying his flat. Uh, I have no words. There are no words. I guarantee you this doesn't make it in. I guarantee you. No danger (laughs) this makes it in. But I would do if you were to tweet it. Indeed, absolutely. In a week that saw, let's talk about this quickly, the farce that is VAR robbing Scotland of potentially a famous victory in Spain. Graham, Graham, your thoughts on this one? Do you know what? We could be here. It's just an absolute fucking mess. That's where I'm going to leave it. It was unbelievable. Came off the pitch at fives on Thursday night. Nil-nil. Everyone's happy. Someone in the far end of the car park shouts it's one nil. Everyone's going fucking mental about it. Got into the car, like got my boots and stuff off, got in the car, drove away, and they're like, Scotland nil, Spain nil here. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck's going on? Like, what is happening here? Go home and see it. Unbelievable stuff. Just when you think the Scottish officiating looks bad, um, fucking hell. Like Willie Collin looks like prime pure Luigi Kalina in comparison yeah. to some of the stuff went in there. Yes, yes. yes. But the thing is, like, nothing. Um, nothing will happen, nothing ever gets done, nothing ever gets said by the people who can actually do anything about it. Indeed, absolutely. So we're um, recording obviously Sunday night, um, Norway, Spain's yet to kick off, so by the time this goes out, we'll know if we're, if we're there or not yet, or if the Norwegians are going to make us just have to wait just that little bit longer. But it's going to be a fairly kind of quietish one, I think, this week on the ABZFP. With it being an international break, all we've really got to do tonight is to look forward to Next Saturday's clash under the lights at Pataudry with Dundee and the Cinch. We'll check in with the latest news, maybe 24 in the week that's just gone past. And then we'll take a quick look at our loanies in Lone Watch, the young team, and obviously check in with the Quines as well, see how they got on this week. But first of all, Graham, Saturday evening sees the Dons facing up with Dundee for the first time this season as the Dark Blues return to the top flight after a 12-month absence. It feels like every time we talk about Dundee on this podcast, they're just returning to the top flight from a 12-month absence. They very much the yo-yo team of Scotland at the moment. Uh, of course, Dundee coming back to the Premiership at the first attempt under Gary Bowyer, eventually winning the Championship on the final day of, the la- of last season, which was swiftly followed by the surprise news a couple of days later that Bowyer had actually been sacked by the Dens Park side. Ex-Dons assistant Tony Doherty, the surprise choice to take over the manager's chair at Dens as he ventures out on his own for the first time without Derek McInnes overseeing things. And it's a real summer of transition for Dundee. 11 players departing in one way or another. 13 coming in, including ex-Dons player Joe Shaughnessy from St Mirren alongside Trevor Carson. And the acquisition of two Mexicans in the form of Juan Portales 
in defence and Diego Pineda up front. So it's not just Aberdeen going all international this summer. Scott Tiffany from Park Thistle, perhaps one of the other more notable pieces of business they've done in the summer. Currently, they've done the side sitting in 10th spot on the table. They have played one game fewer than anyone else as a result of their home fixture with Ross County. Last time out falling victim to the weather. No surprises there given that the Dens Park pitch, well, that's just be play, but it doesn't ever seem to take well to water. Um, they're on seven points, one win, four draws, two defeats to their name. No wins, though, in their last four. Seven goals scored, that's the third lowest tally in the table, averaging just one per game. Ten conceded for an average of 1.4 per game as well. Underperforming, certainly in front of goal, and expected goals of 9.4 against those seven goals scored. And they're struggling as well, it would appear to be actually just getting shots on target, an average of 2.9 per game that's the second lowest in the league at this moment in time as well only three of those goals out of the seven have come from open play four from set plays those four from set pieces that's the joint highest in the league alongside the dandy dons who'd have thunk it uh no one in the dundee side so far with more than one goal to their name this campaign in the league amadou bakayoko on loan from forest green rovers appears to be at this moment in time their biggest attacking threat one goal and two assists to his name in goals Personally, I thought the acquisition of Trevor Carson seemed like a pretty good bit of business by Dundee. He's doing well enough. Six goals conceded from open play against an expected goals against of 8.52. And they're also doing pretty well at defending set plays. One conceded from an expected goals against of 3.85. Carson himself with an overall goals prevented rate of 1.51. That's the second best in the league behind Mitov at St. Johnston. And Doherty, perhaps maybe a little bit surprising having watched Derek McInnes' sides for, for so long, showing a fair amount of flexibility in his team setup. He's played a 3-5-2, a 4-1-4-1, a 4-4-2, sorry, sorry, a 4-4 back in 2, 4-3-3 so far this season. It's not clear how he's going to set up a pathology. He went with a 3-5-2 away at Hibs in their last game where they ground out a 0-0 draw. So perhaps something like that might be expected with Rudden and Bakayoko leading the line, happy to give up territory. They're not particularly set up to press. They've got a PPDA. Graham, PPDA? Passes per defensive action. There we go. We've not had to use it for a while. PPDA of 14, that's the highest figure in the league. So again, looks like they're more than happy to kind of sit in, try to frustrate. So that's the kind of bare bones of Dundee, how their season's come along so far. Um Graham, once again, obviously you weren't here last week when we talked about the St. Johnston game. Um, I'm not sure if you've calmed down a bit now after the St. Johnston game, or at least... Dried out. Yeah, dried out, potentially, is maybe a better way of looking at it. But it feels critical, again, doesn't it, that we start off this section of the league campaign with three points against one of the sides who, certainly at the start of the season, you'd you'd have been considering a prime candidate for the drop again. Definitely. I mean, yeah, we shouldn't be... Like, Dundee are not competition... And, you know, if you look at the budgets we've we've got relative between us, uh, we should be we should be confident uh, easily above them in the table. So it is another game that we should be winning. But what concerns me is, I imagine they're going to be kind of like St Johnston. You know, you were saying they're going to be set up to sit in. I worked for them away to Hib. So on the assumption that that's what we get, we I mean we had the chances to beat. St. Johnson, we obfuscate in particular. So it's not like we didn't create anything, but we did huff and puff a lot. And I mean, I know the, the weather wasn't great, so there probably were some maybe, you know, circumstances to take into consideration. But in general, it's it's a bit of a theme that where teams come to sit in, 
we have been struggling against them. So from that point of view, not too sure what we're going to get, but it's really, really important. If we've got, if we're uh, if we're going to do anything in the league and, you know, somehow secure European football again next season or at least be in with a shout of it through the qualifiers, it's got to be home games where you're getting your points. It's got to be like so Dundee and the, the teams you'd expect to be in and around the bottom of the course of the season. Most people are going to beat them. Hibs and Hearts, I would expect, more often than not, will beat them as well. Yeah, it's that little run of fixtures we've got coming up now where we've got, obviously, a home to Dundee, then we're away to Kilmarnock, away to Motherwell on a Wednesday night at the start of November before the League Cup semi-final. And then the League Cup semi-final, then, you know, we, we, we're we away at Parkhead, we're home to um, Sevco after that, and then away to Hibs. So it feels very critical that this little run of fixtures, Dundee, Kilmarnock, Motherwell in particular, Motherwell's going to be a tough place to go. Kilmarnock as well, Rugby Park's obviously proving to be a difficult place to go this season so far. But to have, as you say, aspirations of trying to get up the table, you kind of feel you've got to be taking seven to nine points out of those three games. But I have a really strong haul of points, I would think. Because like you say, after that, then you're into a run of fixtures where realistically it's, it's unlikely you're going to get much, if indeed anything, certainly based on what normally happens. So I think this next run is critical. And also, uh, just from... You know, momentum has kind of ebbed and flowed yeah. this season um, and people's viewpoint on the manager, what we're getting, what the club's done with their money, etc. So I think if we could have a strong performance in the next run of games, you know, hopefully that just, um, it's not a case of settling things down necessarily on or off the pitch. It's just about trying to build up some momentum and maybe improve the atmosphere, you know, around the place. Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell whether the international break came at a good or a bad time for us from that perspective. Obviously, we went into it five games unbeaten, which, you know, okay, there was the performance against St. Johnston wasn't as good as it could have been. I think we were lackluster against HJK as well. I think we could have we could have taken a win out of that one. But having come into the game against Frankfurt and the reform we were in, to, to at least be five unbeaten on the spin is at least a positive you can try and put on, on things at the moment. But it does feel as though... So it was difficult to work out whether... The break came at a good time for us, just in the sense we'd had a, a lot of games to play between Frankfurt and St. Johnson. I think we'd played something daft like six games in maybe 16, 17 days, something like that. And I know you don't really buy into the, the tiredness part, but that is a that is a pretty hefty schedule. Um, in what were some pretty critical games as well. I think the cup game in particular in Dingwall away at Ibrox is always gonna be um is always gonna be tricky, but obviously got the win there. Was it a good time, do you think, though, for George Robson and the guys just to get some time back on the training pitch again, just maybe rest up a little bit um, and get going? Or is it one of these who kind of go, well, you kind of want the next game to come quite quickly after St. Johnston, try and get that performance, 70 minutes of that performance anyway, you know, on the back burner and, and out of people's minds? Yeah, I don't know. I think the season's gone by when we actually weren't that well represented internationally. And yeah. you probably did have the guts of your squad left behind to, to work with you probably think well the break is good because people are around to work on tactics or whatever we want to implement but probably quite if well not probably a decent number of your first team were away whether they were playing or just you know traveling with their countries so yeah he's got some guys left to work with but it's not the it's probably not enough of the first 11 that you really can do that much yeah, on shape yeah. and stuff I wouldn't have thought so yeah it maybe gives some guys a bit of a, a break physically and mentally um, I, I'm kind of I'm hoping that it probably came at a good time and we, yes the 
the results had improved slightly, but I don't feel like we were really, really motoring and you didn't want it to stop. So let's hope everyone uh, who you know who wasn't away international so had a bit of time off and the guys that were away hopefully return in good shape. Um, and let's see what we get on Saturday. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting point because when you, you when you go through now our kind of most recent starting lineup, um, I think there's a decent number of those guys now who have been away um, on international duty, whether they play or whether they don't. But you know, you look at our back line. You know, Jensen's away with Finland. He didn't play in the first game of this of this group, but he might come back in against. I think Finland were beaten three 0 by Slovenia. Um, Rubic made his debut for Montenegro in a pre in a friendly match against Lebanon. Uh, you've got you know, McGrath away with Ireland. He didn't play, didn't come off the bench against Greece, but he's still away. Miofsky's away, obviously, with uh, Macedonia. Duke's away with Kurt Cape Verde as well. So there's a number of guys in there who are not going to be around. Um, let's have a quick look at Dundee, though, quickly, because the appointment of Tony Doherty at Dundee at the start of the season, a surprise for you, that one? A surprise for two reasons. One, because he'd been an assistant for so long, I just kind of assumed he was happy with that role. You know, some guys that that just suits them. Um, and secondly, it's a pretty left field choice, arguably for anyone um, at the in the top flight. But for a team having just come up, having sacked your championship winning manager, to then appoint a totally inexperienced manager, I understand these. You know, if he's got wealth experiences there the coach and all the rest of it, I don't think it's the same as actually being there on your own, was quite a surprise. I thought if he was going to get a job, he would have had to drop down and maybe work his way mm. up a little bit. But, I mean, so far, uh, well, I don't really care what you know <laughs> how they're doing, but, um, you know, so far he seems to be making a, a decent go of it. I mean, they're not cut adrift by any means. Form has been a bit up and down. Like you say, the fact that they played the game less with County, you know, obviously if they get um, points out of that, it makes the table look a little, a little bit better for them. Yeah, and we've touched on it. only two defeats out of their seven so far. Um, so they're kind of certainly being competitive if nothing else. Also, they had a home win against Hearts, their only win of the season so far. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do do on the road. I think at the end, they're probably more than happy to try and bring the game to teams. But you saw there, like I say, against uh, Hibs Easter Road, which I suspect will be very similar to what we see from them. Pataudry. Um, they've gone with the kind of 3-5-2, 5-3-2, um, kind of making it difficult to up top, though, just to try and carry some level of threat. And that's kind of an interesting part though, about looking at Doherty, because you always assume when you have a managerial double act, which has been so um, long-term in its nature together, you assume that they're kind of just both peas of the same pod, don't you? But it's been quite interesting to see just their Doherty showing that level of kind of flexibility in the way he wants to set his team up. Whether that's just because he hasn't decided yet what his best 11 is it's not clear they took in 13 players in the summer windows so that's a huge amount of players who have to come in the door with a guy who's also trying to find his own feet uh, that's true you'd think because obviously if, if like if he was fundamentally opposed to what McInnes had been doing clearly they wouldn't have been a partnership for as long as as they were I mean they were I guess they'd followed you know they'd worked together for a long long time um, and had a reasonable degree of success yeah uh, with that relationship yeah so I was I was a bit surprised because uh, I, I just kind of assumed he was going to be a carbon copy. Even if it was just from the point of view of he's he's almost, you know, he's worked and effectively played and or watched his teams play a certain way for so long. Yeah. That it'd almost just be like your comfort zone, especially when you're just starting out on your own. It's quite bold to kind of move away from what you know. Um, 
so yeah, he's been more flexible than than I imagined. But it, maybe you're right. It's just a lot of new players, and it's just the general trying to figure out how does he get them into the team, what suits everyone best. Anyone in that kind of Dundee squad, that team that you think kind of poses a bit of a threat that you kind of are a bit wary about, or is this one of these we just go like absolutely on paper squad that we've got is superior, so we should be doing you know more than enough in this game. Yeah, I think we should be beating them. The squad is squad's better. Um, I'm not saying Dundee don't have anyone that can do some damage, but I don't. I don't really think there's anyone in that team where you think ah, he's a standout. You really need to watch him. I think if we if we play to the the ability we know the the squad's got, then I think we're better than them. Yeah, they haven't won on the road yet this season. Um, two two draws and two defeats out there four away from home so you know that potentially hopefully bodes well for us as well I mean for us it's likely to be the the same kind of core group squad that's available for this one as there was against St Johnston uh, James McGarry's being let to travel back uh, down under for some of his rehab and also just to catch up with his family of course he had a newborn uh, child just not long before he moved to to Aberdeen I mean so based on that what sort of side do you think he, Robson is going to go with, um, especially if Dundee do come in and, and sit in, which as we've just touched on, something we've really struggled against so far this season. I uh, would probably expect him to do what he did against St Johnston. You know, just to just go the same. Well, yeah, because yeah. we've not really seen much. Uh, like I know he's kind of come up with this European stroke bigger game shape that's you know, been played out a couple of times and we've had reasonable success with it. But to me, the the Dundee game is is pretty much the same as the St. Johnson game. It's a home game against a team you should be beating, a team that's not coming to do anything other than to try and get a point, which is absolutely fine. That's what they're entitled to do. So if he set us up like he did on Sunday against Johnson, I don't really see why he would change it. And... You know, there's probably enough about that performance. Like I say, if we hadn't missed those, we've a couple of really, really good chances. Yeah. We would have won the game. So he might look at it and say, "Well, it wasn't pretty, but I don't care," and it would have worked. So I don't. But, but what I don't want to see, and it pains me to say, is I don't want to see Johnny Hayes uh, <laughs> on the pitch or certainly not playing most of the game. Yeah. So that means then, presumably, Jack McKenzie has to play for you. Um, uh, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I was going to ask that question because I thought this would be the interesting part. I don't. I don't expect to see a change in shape from us at all. Um, it's the personnel because against St. Johnston, you know, um, Connor Barron, I thought, played pretty well in that game. Um, I thought that Paul Vara and Clarkson did well when they came off the bench. Have they, in the time they were on the pitch, have they done enough there to kind of push themselves into the start lineup for this game, do you think? Which means you have to drop Shinny or, and or McGrath, probably. Um, can you play Leighton Clarkson and Connor Barron together? Is that possible? Are they too similar? I think we saw against St. Johnson, you maybe can. Um, and then last question, Graham, there's a lot here to unpack. Up top, is it time for Duke to possibly be given a bit of time out of the team and go with one of the other options up there? Um, I'll start with the last one because I can remember that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's time to take Duke out of the firing line. As much as I, I have enjoyed him more often than not in an Aberdeen shirt and is clearly still 
like if he's a good player, he's not just suddenly become bad. It's not it's not happening for him. Um but I don't really I'm not totally certain what you do because from what I've seen, Sockler looks to be pretty I think similar too much to, to Mayovsky. Yeah, I think so. So you know, you've basically got like two plan A's up front if you go for them both. And I'm not seeing enough of Gay um really to know if he's at, I mean, I guess he's probably the one I would pick on the basis that I've not seen that much of him. And he looks his style and from think what we heard from uh, get the guy's name, but you know, when you had a chat with someone before we signed uh, after we signed him, he sounds like he'll be a little bit different, you know, it's more maybe physical and more powerful mm-hmm. than the likes of Mioski. So he feels like the the one you'd have to pick. Um, but it's a shame that's not really working for Duke because when you know we had that period with him and Miofsky, that was all working really rather well. And I th- yeah. keep thinking that was going to oh, that's hurting most teams. Um, in terms of the midfield, I'm not sure because he again he doesn't seem to have totally settled on what he wants to do there. And I'm not sure. I was just trying to think. I mean, do you really do you really want a couple of defensive minded players in your midfield in a home game against Dundee? I'm not sure you do, to be honest. I think you've got to try and take the game to them. So I would, I'd like to see Clarkson back. In place of... Uh, That's the difficult part there, isn't it? It's, well, it um, is the difficult, it is the difficult part. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I think yeah, it's hard not difficult. to play Clarkson in this game. I think it sends the wrong message to go too defensive in a home game like this. Yeah. Um, it's how you what you do there is just the diff, is, is the part I'm not sure can you drop Graham Shinney club captain obviously um, didn't play particularly well against no he Boston. didn't and then obviously I think you know he got withdrawn and, and I yeah. think Robson was basically saying obviously he can't play that many minutes but then he's had the break so he should be fittest of the lot freshest yeah. of the lot I feel like I know McGrath didn't play but I guess he's still being away there might be an element of fatigue and all of that so it's a difficulty now with the way it we're is set a difficult, up. but I think it's it's kind of difficult. As in, at least there's good players in there, yeah. and and you know a couple of decent options that we're debating rather than they're all mints or yeah, you strange. don't want to take you don't want to have to sub anyone in because yeah. the bench just isn't good enough. So I think Barron's done enough to justify staying in the starting lineup. So I think he's in. I think it's any of the other the other two now around him is the bit that's up for debate. Um, I'd be surprised yeah. if Shinny comes out. So it's probably one from. McGrath or Clarkson, I think, is probably where we're realistically playing. I'd like to see Clarkson in. Yeah. And that's not actually, um can say, because Gav's not here to <laughs> jump all over the top. I'm sure he'll cut it out. I think McGrath's been all right. I think I he's mean, been fine. Like he everyone, he's had Lagos some Johnston, good games. But... So, yeah, but he's not the only one you can point the finger at there. No. But uh, from what we saw last season of Clarkson, um, I'd like to see him be able to get back into the team and start to play the way he had been playing yeah absolutely I think it's an interesting one you touched about on on Papi Habib Gay uh, we'll, we'll come up and talk about him a little bit in more detail when we talk about stuff that's happened during the course of the week but um, yeah it'll be interesting to see what Robson decides to do um, I think on this one uh, it will be I'm very intrigued to see what he does in terms of the, the front two in particular um, it does feel still taking Duke out of the first team wouldn't be the worst idea in the world but then it's always this classic he maybe just needs a goal to get going that's what we thought after the Ross County game yeah, um, yeah. I don't know we'll have to wait I, and see. I, the thing that the reason I would take him out is it's not so much that the goals haven't been coming 
the rest of his like he's the rest of his plays not been coming. Like there's a few times where he's just thrown himself to the deck, which you don't really want to see, and you're not really going to get anything. But he's just not having that same impact where he's just scaring people down the line and getting into the box the same way. So um because there was a period last year, you know, even before he kind of started to find the goals where he wasn't necessarily scoring, but he was assisting or he was a he was a nuisance and he was was getting us up the pitch and it was exciting and he was causing problems. Just don't really feel like anything's coming off for him at the moment. I think that's probably fair. I think that's absolutely fair. Um go on then. Let's let's wrap up the prediction piece just now then. Um let's say the prediction piece, let's wrap up the preview part with a prediction, Graham, for, for Saturday. Under the lights, of course, it's a six o'clock kickoff at Pataudry, um on Saturday for the visit of Dundee. I am gonna go for a slightly underwhelming one nil Dons. There we go. But a clean sheet, nonetheless. So. A clean sheet because... Now, I don't know, he's, he's obviously tweaked the dial too far the other way <laughs> because the defence seems to... Well, it's not, it doesn't seem to. It is much more resilient than it was if you look at the... You know, how many... Or how infrequently we're conceding goals. But we seem to have lost that sort of... Um, I don't know if it's freedom up front. He seems to... I guess you see this quite often in teams that are... You know, if they're scoring a load and conceding a load, you try and tighten up at the back, and sometimes that has a a bit of an effect um, on the goals as well. But yeah, clean sheet, one 0 Absolutely, no, definitely, all good. Let's. Uh, I'm going to say Aberdeen three, Dundee nil. I think we're going to turn on the style and get back up and running, hopefully um, ahead of then. Of course, the massive game with Pauk on the Thursday night. But you guys, you and Gav, will talk about that next week. So let's move on quickly then. Other news from AB24 this week, but obviously with it being international break week, it's been pretty quiet. Um, although there was some action for some of the fringe players from the first team on Wednesday evening, uh, Aberdeen eventually coming through the first round of the Aberdeenshire Shield with a 5-4 win on penalty kicks against Fraserburgh after a 2-2 draw. Really strong Aberdeen side here, Graham, that the, the club decided to put out, which featured Vinny Bajowin, Angus MacDonald, Ordadia, Pabi Habib Gay and Esther Sockler, and also... Reese Williams um, for this one. And it's fair to say that on the whole, um, they kind of toiled a little bit, which is slightly concerning. Twice falling behind, firstly, to what is, in fairness, an outrageous strike by Scott Barber before uh, Aberdeen then equalised to Adam Emsley. Sokler then with a header, it came off the bar um, after half time before Sargent put the Brock ahead again with just 10 minutes remaining. Daddy and Bajau have withdrawn for Stuart and Hamilton. Uh, Stuart's impact immediate got the Dons level within two minutes of coming off the bench. Finished a Desmond, straight to penalty kicks. Ross do have a couple of good stops to help. Give us the advantage despite Gay ballooning his penalty kick into the Richard Dons stand. Finley Marshall with the winning penalty to send Aberdeen this round two where they'll meet Tudor next week. Sometimes in these games, it's kind of hard to read too much into these like performances. You expect that the Brock are going to come to Pataudry. They're going to really raise their game, opportunity to play at Pataudry, etc. Et et it's a very strong Aberdeen side, much stronger than I think most people would imagine we would put out. You're usually expecting it to be a real kind of youth team with maybe a couple of fringe first-teamers. To be in a position where you're having to come behind twice in this game and be forced into penalties shoot out against the Highland League outfit is uh, suboptimal, let's let's call it. I agree. Uh, I would have been... If it was a team I would have expected, which is basically... Kids. Youth, then, you know, fine... The result wouldn't—I wouldn't have been um, any less frustrated with, with the result had we lost. But when I did see the lineup, thought, "Well, I think—I mean, I think we should take any 
any competition we're in, we should be taking it seriously, personally. Yeah. Um, so it was, you know, right, that's a really strong lineup. And obviously some of these guys need minutes, so that's all good. Uh, but I think it's probably two things. You know, for the guys that haven't played, it's maybe difficult just to find a rhythm because you're obviously playing with guys that haven't played. You know, Bajam Charlie played, Odaria never played. You know, so there's a, like, there's a handful of that team struggling for minutes and probably not really played much of any games you know, as a as a team. So that's quite tricky. And then, you know, quite often we see these these games where you think we should be out of sight and it doesn't always just doesn't always work that way. So some of the some of the comments around there uh, some of our players were pretty funny. Um they weren't uh flattering. But at the end of the day, uh through. So that's all that really matters. But you would have it would have been nice to have um, made that a lot more comfortable. You would have just expected maybe some of these players would have really been looking to lay a marker down and give Robson something to have to think about in terms of what's coming up. You know, I would have thought so as well. Um, I think you know, Bajawan obviously has, having been a first team player, you'd think he'd be wanting to say, "Look, you're forgetting about me. We're crying out for width yeah. and some creativity. Look what I can do." So McDonald having been a regular and playing well to not really featuring Dardia. Okay, I guess he's he's never really had that run in the team. But still, he's a new signing, so you'd think he'd be wanting to say, look, you signed me, you've not played me, here's why that's a mistake. And then, yeah, the rest of them game... I'm going to put money on this. I'm going to put money on that that's going to be Dardia's only appearance on the Patoji pitch, where he's actually playing, not just on the pitch at halftime <laughs> in a European game. Nice caveat there. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that. Yeah, you saw you were saying about like Williams. Yeah, I was just going to run through the rest of them and say it's yeah. the same deal. Yeah. Um, they, they should all be wanting to put a marker down because some of them, you know, saw Gone Gay in and around the team a few minutes here and there on the bench. Williams, it's nice to see he's still alive. I'm sure he'll be <laughs> back into rehab or whatever it is he does with his time. Um, so, yeah, disappointing that it took penalties, but, you know, job done at the end. I mean, the one thing you would say is it's kind of um, fair play to the young boys because it's the young lads who've actually come in and rescued that situation there. Um, Adam Ems of the equaliser, Alfie Stewart came off the bench, got the second equaliser, and then it's Finlay Marshall who played the full 90 minutes. He's the one who also gets the the winning penalty to put us into the next round. Um, yeah, certainly some of the commentary, I think in particular around um, Gay and Dadia's performances in particular seem to be somewhat concerning, it's fair to say. Suboptimal. Yeah, um, I think in particular, I think the stuff we're hearing about Daddy just seems to really bear out, you know, bear out what we'd heard when we signed him, um, and and possibly the stuff about gay as well. The gay part for me is much more worrying because we've spent the Daddy's alone with an option to buy at this moment in time. I can't see any of those like the option to buy coming up, but gay we spent hard fucking cash on this guy, and I know he said he was in the pressure in the week saying you know he really needed a proper. Um, he needs he needs some time, and he, he didn't really get preseason because he was kind of out of favour with uh, Kotuk in in Belgium. Um, but it's just I don't know. I I have the the worries. It's fair to say, um, half a million quid's a lot of money for a club like us to be spending on someone. I don't disagree. <laughs> Let's wait and see. Watch this. You'll show us up. It'll be a hat trick for Gay on and Saturday. That's- that's absolutely fine. <laughs> Indeed, absolutely. He can be running up and down Union Street or cycling with his Pretty back home <laughs> all he wants yes. after that. Um, perhaps lost in the shuffle a little bit during the course of the week. Jack Mill signed a contract extension. Um, it's going to see him 
stay at the club now until at least the summer of 2026. Uh, he's made four appearances for the first team to date. He's been with the club since the age of 11, had a short loan spell at Kelty Hearts last season. Um, you've got to imagine he'll be, uh, I was going to say, looking to force his way into the first team picture a bit more regularly. It's going to be difficult for him. I think we seem to have really landed on a very settled back three. You've still got Angus McDonald lurking around Reese Williams if he ever becomes fit enough to play first team football. Um, I, I don't think, well, I, I guess A, Graham, thoughts on just the extension and then B, do you, do you expect we'll see Milne perhaps heading back out alone again come the January window? Happy with the extension and I imagine he'll go out on loan because he's not, no, I, no disrespect to him, he's not getting into that team because Robson's not going to change it and if no. he does, he's got McDonald and or Williams um, as to before probably someone else, you know, McKenzie getting shuffled in or something. So I don't see him, I don't see him playing and we shouldn't be wasting his time and his development. So if there's a chance to get out on loan, that's what we should be doing. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. What I did enjoy in the Don's press release is that they claimed he had now been successfully converted from a central midfielder to a central defender. I was like, maybe just a touch early to be saying that. I'm just just saying. Anyway, um, and then I guess finally, congrats to the Don's under-14s who won the inaugural Craig Brown Memorial Tournament hosted at Cormac Park over the course of the weekend that's just gone. They, the Dons finished up top of the table over the course of the regular tournament, which meant they progressed to the final where they uh, beat Sevco Youth 3-0. So top stuff all around to everybody involved in that one. Um, not just in terms of getting the tournament put on, etc. Some good teams in that tournament. And well done to the Dons young team once again winning another tournament. Yeah, absolutely. I it's really, really encouraging. It's just like we've said, it's finding finding a way of converting that sort of talent and promise at that age into the into the first team, and then ultimately, realistically, for some of them, into actual cash money to try and you know get the whole get the whole conveyor belt going. Yeah, there's more Papi Habib gays to be bought. So, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> indeed indeed. time will tell on that one time will tell yes quite let's quickly rattle on then on to the Quines after a run of four defeats in the spin I guess the prospect of reigning champions Glasgow City visiting the Bulmore was probably not the fixture Clint Lancaster was looking for but that was the task that faced the Quines on Sunday afternoon one change to the team that were beaten at Dundee United last time out Amy Black coming back in at defence in place of Hannah Innes and after some early pressure from the visitors, the Aberdeen side did begin to force themselves into the game. Ava Thompson doing well to rob Fulton in midfield and winning an attacking free kick that the home side just couldn't quite make the most of. City, though, taking the lead in 24 minutes. Lavera chasing down a clearance by Oscarson and she shot early past McCann to give them the lead. Hutchison thought she timed her run perfectly to latch onto an Ailey Shore through ball but the assistant flagged for offside just before she had a chance to get her shot away. Glasgow nearly making it 2-0 before half-time, Kozak hitting the junction of post and crossbar from 25 yards. But the Quines, perhaps maybe a little bit against the run of play, managed to force an equaliser in the in first half injury time, Hutchison winning the ball deep in the city half. She offloaded to Thompson, who fired in a high effort past Gibson to put the sides in level. And it was the Dons who made a sensational start to the second half, Thompson and Hutchison linking up again. Hutchison's through ball, perfect for Hannah Stewart to run onto, and she swept home low past Gibson. But the old adage about the most dangerous time in a game of football is when you've just scored. It came true again. Lavera pulling City level just two minutes later before Kozak made it 3-2 to the visitors. Just 
60 seconds later. Shore then with a header dipping wide of target before Hutchinson nearly forced an equaliser deep into 90 minutes. City hang on at the end, but doing just enough to take the points. The Don is down to eighth, but Graham, you'd have to think that that performance against one of the top teams in the country will surely maybe give them a little bit of inspiration as they move past. What's well, been a tricky run of fixtures recently. Um, the Queen's next hosting Park Thistle before travelling to Motherwell in early November. I hope so. I mean, from the start of the season, which was which is good, and we were all kind of enthusiastic around uh, the appointment of, well, fi- finally the appointment of the manager. And, you know, unfortunately due to injuries, but a couple of the players that were attracted, you know, that was quite, quite a statement of intent. Um, the results have fallen away recently, but you would hope a performance against one of the top teams of that is enough to give them, you know, the confidence that there there's there are good players there and there's a good team there. They just need to find a bit more consistency. To be honest, I'm just having a wee look at the the table. He's at eighth on twelfth points. I mean, having said that, you know, I think Montrose are in the what looks like the playoff place yeah. on five. So there's early days yet. There's a bit of a buffer there. And then looking up the way, Glasgow City third and twenty-five, but then you got Hearts fourth and sixteenth. So uh, sixteen. Yeah. So there's there's not that much. No, no, there's um, not points-wise. Either way up the t- up or down the table. So still a lot to still a lot to look forward to in the season. Um, and let's hope we can, yeah, a bit like the men's team, just find find that setup and formation and an eleven that uh, that starts to click. Absolutely. I think they've been really, really hard hit there with, with the injuries to um Faker being into a lot of hold, and that's two massive players that are going to be out for, for the season. Um and yep. it is, it's a very, very young team still as well that, that, that Clint Lancaster's got to work with. So it's still very positive signs there. Talk about youth, let's move on to the young team really quickly. Two goals either side of half time, making sure that the young team progressed into the fourth round of the SFA Youth Cup after they saw off Caledonian Braves by two goals to on Friday evening. Scott Anderson with two. Changes from the side that were beaten by Kilmarnock last time out, Timothy Akindeleni and Finlay Marshall, who played the full 90 minutes and scored the winning penalty kick against the Brock in the Aberdeen Shield game less than 48 hours prior to this game. We just touched on that a minute ago. Marshall also taking a spot on the bench, Lewis Carroll and Joseph Teasdale taking their places in the starting eleven. And it was Teasdale who got the opener on seven minutes, slotting well past Young in the Braves' goal to set the Dons on their way. Aberdeen then with two goals ruled out for offside in the immediate aftermath. Young in the Braves goal also having pretty much the game of his young life at this moment in time. A number of top saves to keep the visitors tally down. Halftime 1-0. Finlay Marshall taken to the field just after the hour mark and he found the net just a couple of minutes later getting onto a Fletcher Boyd through ball finishing past Young. Chances then again for Teasdale and Mackey but again Young in the Braves goal in inspired form which meant it stayed at 2-0 but the Dons progress into the next round. A couple of weeks off now for the young team next up for them is a cast under 18s league fixture at Cormac Park against Hamilton Ackies on the 3rd of November so there we go and on to Lone Watch really really quickly because of course it's international week so not a lot to happening Kinnigwenya Park Thistle no game for Thistle because they were out of the Scottish Challenge Cup after being beat by Queen of South I think it was in one of the early rounds Evan Towler at Montrose another week another squad missed for Towler as Montrose were knocked out of the Challenge Cup by Wraith Overs Starks Park, Alfie Babbage, he missed out on Kelty's 4-1 defeat to Greenick Morton in the Challenge Cup as a result of having been cup-tied, having played for Aberdeen early in the tournament. Aaron Reid at Peterhead started on the bench, came off it for the last 11 minutes as Peterhead eventually bowed out of the tournament to Dundee United by a two goals to nil defeat at Balmour. 
Liam Harvey, Blair McKenzie, no game for them as Elgin City had a week off. No game either for Dylan Lobin and Adam Emsley for Martin United. Finlay Murray, another start for him. Another 90 minutes under his belt as managerless. Tura were beaten by three goals to nil by Fraser in the Highland League. Have you seen all the drama this week, Graham, about the Highland League, about what's happening here at Tura? Did locals take their manager? Locals took the manager, yeah, and it's, it's all got a bit a bit beefy. It's all um, got a bit tasty. It has indeed, yeah. So um, looking forward to locals on 11th of November. It's all happening. Um, Kevin Henrati, no match for Bucky this weekend either. And that brings us down to our chaps down south. Jaden Richardson at Stockport County, an unused substitute as Stockport beat Harrogate Town by three goals to one in the match of the century in League Two down south. Then Anthony Stewart completely bombed out of the MK Doms lineup and squad as they drew 2-2 with Dean Campbell's of Barrow in League Two. So um, maybe not going quite so well for big Anthony. Anywho. Graham, I think that'll do us, mate. There's not much else to talk about tonight, is there? Let's let's be honest. Not really. No, I don't think so. That's been No, I can't th- no, I can't think of anything. Well, that'll do us then. I think that'll do us. I think that'll do us. Excellent. Lovely stuff. Gav will be delighted. That's a nice short episode for him to have to edit, which means he can do more tidying with the flat. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. That's gonna wrap us up for this week's episode of ABZ FP. Thanks for joining us. Please like please remember to like, subscribe, follow whatever you might do in your podcast player of choice. Um, join us next time for episode 130. I say join us, it won't be me, it'll be Gav and Graham, because I'm away on holiday. You're tidying your flat. I'm tidying my flat. Yes, that's what I'm going to be doing. Um, I'm going to be taking a week off next week. Um, so they will be here to preview. Oh, bastard. I know. Unbelievable. What a disgrace. Uh, the boys will be here next week to review Aberdeen versus Dundee. We'll take a look ahead to our Europa Conference League tie with PLK on Thursday and then our trip to Ayrshire to face Kilmarnock the following weekend. Look forward to seeing you then. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds!